are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. We are also brought to you by Coors Light because we always know that you get to a point to where you just feel like you're go, go, go all the time. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time with work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, all these reasons to be on 24-7, and that's where Coors Light comes into effect. We know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturday is your time to chill. We know the Razorbacks are playing, so why not just go over and watch the game and go with the right drink, the right refreshment, the mountain cold refreshment that is Coors Light where it is made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies and a perfect moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. I know I sure did and I mean, my goodness, it was a bye week, but there were so many things to get to and so much fun to be had in different reasons and different games and especially in the SEC. So I decided that it would be a great opportunity to welcome Michael Bratton onto the show and onto the podcast because there's a lot of things we can talk about, especially with these big ordeal with the Auburn Ole Miss game. What a travesty that was. So without further ado, let's go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome in Michael Bratton of Saturday Down South. Michael, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Hey, doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, I just want you guys to know I'm not as biased as the uh, SEC officiating crew. <laughs> Man, I, like, let's jump into that just right off the bat. Mike, I, I, everyone watched that game between Auburn and Ole Miss. Everyone knew that his finger touched the ball, and yet it ended up having a direct impact, a major impact on the game. Auburn still ended up getting the victory. How in the world, if you're the SEC and the SEC officiating, not even review that? Like, What, how, what type of explanation can you even give on a play like that? Yeah, I don't know, and you know, I'm not one of these guys that I I truly don't think the games are leaned in any team's favor. I mean, maybe occasionally they could be, but it's just bizarre that it's two weeks out of what four that it's Auburn getting it. And I certainly think when you saw that play live, I could kind of see maybe not reviewing it, but once you get the zoomed in angle, it's very clear. Hit the finger. And, I mean, Lane Kiffin said it best. I'm dying to know what the SEC told them because had they reviewed that, it would have been clear as day, would have been an Ole Miss touchdown, and that would have been all all she wrote. Auburn sitting here at 3-2, and two, they should be 1-4. and four. So the replay official said he quickly looked at it, didn't see a need to go through an extensive review, but just knowing what the play is, isn't that one that you just have to look at and, you know, take some time just to make sure? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we need to get away from – I hate when it's the first quarter and it's a third and seven, and it, is that a seven-and-a-half-yard pass? Is that a six-yard pass? We stopped the game for that. I mean, that's garbage. But these plays that are defining the game, fourth quarter, touchdowns or non-touchdowns, we've got to, we've got to stop and review these. And I think this is just a case where they must have just looked at the initial view and not looked at any other angles for whatever reason – uh, that's not a that's not an excuse that I would be accepting, and I think 
you can, it kind of came across. If you heard Lane Kiffin's comments, I I retweeted a video of it, but he's just wishing that he could share the information he has because, uh, and clearly he was not happy with the uh, with what he's been told. But uh, according to SEC policy, they're not supposed to uh, discuss those matters publicly. Well, Mike, you know, something that he said and something that I've been wanting for ever since the call with Arkansas and Auburn, which we don't need to rehash necessarily, but I just want transparency with the officiating in the SEC. I mean, you're talking about two major snafus at the end of games that have direct impacts on the result, and both teams and both programs, and even the SEC just kind of comes out and shrugs like, whoops. And it, I don't even think they do that because they don't even acknowledge that they were wrong. And then you have the, this problem like Lane Giffen's talking about. He's like, I wish I could say what I was told. I wish I could tell my players. I wish I could tell the fans, but I can't. Don't you feel like there needs to be more transparency with SEC officiating? Where I'm not saying they got to hold their feet to the fire and just let everybody fire darts at them, but at least be questioned and at least be transparent on the message that's being sent from the SEC office to these teams and explaining why they screwed it up. Yeah, without a doubt, and I, I think the SEC would even admit that because um, I'm sure you were there, but I think it was SEC Media Days. 2019 maybe where you know they introduced we're going to have this sec officiating handle and we're going to discuss these controversial plays to, to be more transparent and all that really turned out to be is you have this hugely controversial play and then two or three days later they tweet out the play and they tweet out a you know a, a little ruling like they did it with the arkansas auburn play and that was it so it's like it's just a half measure that uh yeah, I mean, there's there's no need. There's so much money. There's so much attention. There's the spotlight is on these games. It's it's laughable that uh, I mean, it seems like we're back in the day where we didn't have replay. What's the point of it if it's not going to be used and used properly in these SEC games? So, looking at the SEC power rankings, is that what goes into it? Where Auburn surprisingly is as low as number twelve? Is it reflective of how they played these past couple of weeks? And then you got Arkansas and A&M coming in this week, which is a matchup that people are anticipating. Arkansas is number four. And then you have A&M followed by, right behind them at number five. Yeah, I get a lot of confusion on that. I mean, it's not the standings. I'll just post the standings if that's what people want. I look at it as if these two teams meet on a neutral field on Saturday, here's the order I'm taking to win the game. So, Auburn, yes, they're three and two, but like I said, they should be one and four. Arkansas beat them. Ole Miss beat them. They've not really beaten anybody uh, worth anything this year, in my opinion. Auburn, that is. And Arkansas, I mean, they're red hot right now. I thought they'd be a lot better than anticipated, but even I didn't think they'd be this good. And I've been saying that I think they got to get these wins early because I don't know if they've got the depth to make this run keep riding it, but. Heck, I might be wrong because I didn't know they had these walk-ons that are playing at this <laughs> caliber, and they got consecutive SEC Defensive Players of the Week. And I think uh, once they get the running game going, then then they're going to be really dangerous because I don't even think they have that going yet. And uh, with Sam Pittman and uh, Brad Davis running that offensive line, you know they're going to get it working before long. So uh, Arkansas is one of the, the hottest teams in the SEC. And I know Texas A&M, you look at them on paper, they're a top-ten team. I'm leaning towards Arkansas winning that game. 
We'll continue our discussion with Michael Bratton of Saturday Down South here in just a second. But folks, I got to tell you about Built Bar and how so convenient and so easy it truly is. You know, we all get in a point to where we're all so busy. School's in session. We got sports to watch. We got sports to drop the kids off. You know, we just don't have time to eat, but we have to eat. We have to make it through the day. But luckily for you, Built Bar is something that's not only healthy and nutritious, but also something that tastes amazing. And it's so convenient with their 18 amazing different flavors and their low calorie, low sugar with high protein and high fiber. So it's great for many different diets. And the great thing about it is listening to this podcast, we're offering you a deal where if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order. Yeah, it's as simple as that. 20% off. doesn't matter how many Built Bars you order. You get 20% off no matter what. So do us a favor. Do yourself a favor. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Simple as that. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. So what is it about this matchup that has you leaning towards Arkansas? You mentioned the defense and the way that they've been playing. But, you know, Texas A&M, they beat Florida, which is a really good win, and both teams had a bye week this past weekend. So what is it about this matchup that makes you feel like Arkansas has the edge, in your opinion? Well, two things stand out to me. Texas A&M, they do have a very talented group in the secondary, but they're young. And we've seen Alabama, we've seen Florida, um, and we've even seen Vanderbilt take advantage of this secondary, uh, particularly Alabama, really smoke these guys. So they're they're very aggressive. But I think Arkansas's receivers and Felipe Franks, the way he's playing, I I think that's an advantage for Arkansas. And then uh, on the flip side, uh, Texas A and M. It's almost like people don't realize how many receivers they're down right now. They've had their key receiver opt out. They had their second receiver get injured for the year. They had a guy named Caleb Chapman who really broke out during the Florida game. He was the one that scored uh, the tying touchdown with a, with about two minutes left in the game. He's out for the year. So uh, Texas A&M's essentially got no experience to throw the ball to. Kellen Mons, very inconsistent player. He played at an All-American level in that Florida game. If he plays like that, they'll win again against Arkansas. And, uh, you know, I don't like to trash Kellen Mond or anything, but I just don't see him as that All-American. I mean, one game he'll he'll come out like that. The next game he'll complete 50% of his passes. And I think you're going to get something in between here against Arkansas, just the way they're playing defense and the lack of weapons. Now, he does have a really good tight end, Jalen Watermeyer. He can have a really big big game. But you're, you're asking me to take Arkansas's red-hot offense or a Texas A&M uh, unit that uh, is lacking options at the receiver position i'm going to lean arkansas on that one as well so what's the key to both teams winning the game what's the key for a&m what do they need to do to come away with a win what's what does arkansas need to do to come away with a win i think texas a&m's got to continue their dominance um particularly on the front seven they do have a really good front seven that could be a major issue for arkansas who i said they you know they're still not getting that ground game going you can't just lean on felipe and these receivers the entire sec slate so that's going to be a challenge right there. And I think the biggest thing Sam Pittman talked about it today during his presser is, you know, for all the strides that Auburn, excuse me, Arkansas has made on defense and offense, their special teams is still a disaster. And if that's going to come back to get you in a game like this because Texas A&M's got across the board, you know, equal to better talent than Arkansas. I think that's a fair assessment to say. So 
Uh, that's something where they don't, it almost cost them the Ole Miss game. I think it really turned the momentum of the Georgia game. If they don't shore that up, I think uh, Arkansas is going to lose this one too. So, But like I said, I'm leaning towards Arkansas. So I think you've got two weeks to prepare for something like that. That can be corrected. I think it's going to be a really close game. I was pretty stunned by the uh, opening line here. Uh, I, I think this is going to be another Arkansas game that comes down to the wire. We'll continue our discussion with Michael Bratton of Saturday Down South here in just a second. But first, this. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. I want to ask you about Jimbo Fisher because I have felt like when he was hired at A&M, even though everyone was excited and thought that this would be a big hire, I just didn't see it working out. I'm like, I give it three, four years, and he probably moves on, or they fire him, or something like that. But this year, since they have a top ten ranking, they only have one loss, and the they did have that nice win against Florida. Now the rest of the schedule looks a little favorable. But if I feel like Mike, that this year is the year that A and M can take that next step because Alabama is Alabama. Like you're not going to beat them, but LSU is down. You have Auburn, who's looking terrible. Uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State are, are bottom-dwelling teams. And Arkansas, yeah, they're performing better than what people thought, but they're still not a great team. To me, this was the year for A&M to take that step and to at least compete for the West. If he can't get it done this year, I see a lot of these teams getting better and bouncing back next season. Do you think that Jimbo, if he goes another 6-4, and 5-5 and five type year, that maybe they'll decide to either move on or think about moving on from Jimbo? Yeah, that's tough to say, given the pandemic and all the financials that go with it. But, uh, you know, I see what you're saying because, myself included, I thought this was going to be a year where Texas A&M took that big step. And some of that had to do with the schedule. Their non-conference slate was a joke. The toughest game they had was Colorado, who their coach left in the middle of the night during this offseason. Uh, then they had to add Florida to their schedule with the uh, all-SEC 10-game schedule. So that certainly hurt the Aggies, but, um, you know, I think the way he's recruiting, I do agree with you a little bit. Like, I think, I think they obviously overpaid to get Jimbo. I don't think he's worth that contract he's got, but sometimes that's what you got to do, man. You got to overspend to bring in a national championship caliber coach. Whether Jimbo is that still remains to be seen. I, I think that's a big doubt because he's, you know, he's not having that Jameis Winston on his roster there at Texas A&M yet, but I think it's a, we're we're close to firing Gus Malzahn and Will Muschamp. I don't think we can handle uh, Jimbo Fisher getting fired, too. I, w- I would pump the brakes a little bit on that one until uh, if their second half of the season goes completely off the rails, maybe get back to me at that point. You mentioned Coach Pittman's presser. What were some of the other takeaways you had from that? Well, I was kind of stunned that uh, we had Jacobs, the defensive back, opt out. I mean, I was kind of seeing that, uh, or anticipating, I guess I should say, that we were going to have more opt-outs this season, but more for teams, maybe like an LSU that come out the gate stumbling, and then you know these players look around and they're like, "Why? What are we doing here? I don't want to go through all these protocols and safety and all this." But Arkansas, I mean, who in the world would have thought they'd be two and two going into a top ten matchup with people like me saying they got a chance to pull the upset? Uh, that that was kind of a stunner to me. Uh, so I, I think right there you got to – that's the biggest talking point in Arkansas is, you know, I know he's been banged up a little bit, but seeing an opt-out at this point in the season for Arkansas, that's another one. I, I talked about the lack of depth on that team. 
I don't know how many more guys Arkansas can lose before, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're still a very, very thin roster there in Fayetteville. So uh, that could be one that uh, really comes back to haunt Arkansas, even if it's not this week. Uh, it could be towards the tail end of the season. Yeah, I think it was surprising to a lot of people. But who would you say among all the SEC teams that COVID and opt-out and all that has impacted the most? Because I think it's impacted everyone to a certain extent, maybe besides Bama, because there's still going to be Bama. But which SEC team do you feel like has been impacted the most dealing with COVID and opting out team and, and players opting out? Well, if you want to talk just the number of players, probably Texas A&M. But I think the biggest impact is Georgia with Jamie Newman. Because I was hearing a lot of good stuff about him and, you know, I'm not one of these Stetson Bennett haters. I don't necessarily think he's the biggest problem, but I think Georgia just was all in on Jamie Newman. They were building the offense around his skill set, an athletic guy that could run and pass. And then all of a sudden, into fall camp, he decides he's opting out and he's going to uh, prepare for the NFL draft. That's just a bizarre one. And I don't know if it was because they went out and got JT Daniels and, and maybe kind of showed a lack of confidence in him, but all of a sudden, Georgia looks like they're, they basically got all the pieces to be an SEC and national championship contender outside of the quarterback position. And once again, I think by the end of the year, we're going to be sitting here saying Herbie Smart's got more talent than just about – I mean, he's got equal talent to Alabama, yet the results are not there. The offense is not working. I'm not trying to put him on the hot seat. I know I was, I was just pumping the brakes on Jimbo being on the hot seat, but – at some point, we're getting into Mark Rick 2.0 territory here where we just got these loaded rosters, yet we're just going to the SEC championship game and falling short year after year after year. At some point, that's got to get old for Georgia fans, I would think. Outside of Arkansas, any other surprises in the SEC this year, whether good or bad? I mean, I'm kind of stunned at uh, how poorly LSU's been playing on defense in particular. I know they lost a lot, but I was – big on the camp of, you know, Coach O would find replacements for a lot of these players. And I'm wondering if uh, Jamar Chase, uh, speaking of another opt-out, who, you know, he entered camp ready to play and then a couple weeks in decided to, to prepare for the NFL draft. I don't blame him because he's such a elite talent. He's probably going to be a top-ten pick. But maybe the writing on the, was on the wall right there because ugh, losing to Mississippi State, that looks terrible. Missouri – you know, they're up and coming, but uh, I really thought LSU was going to be in contention for the SEC West. And, I mean, it looks like about a mile difference here between Alabama and LSU at this point. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you coming on with us, man. As always, talk a little SEC and give us a little preview of what's coming up this weekend. Enjoy the weekend and enjoy the rest of college football season. I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road, my man. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 